Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Chris Lavender, and with me is my fellow host, Keith McLeod. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'd like to talk to you about Wake the Dead by Comeback Kid. I was trying to think of a witty intro, but it's not come to me. Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, man, I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for finally stepping in there. That uh, that silence. I thought I was on my own for a moment. No, don't worry. The uh, that'll not come through in the edit. But that was too long to come up with a joke. So let's just get cracking. How are things? I'm very good. And how are you? A little bit tired. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know why, but I'm feeling a little bit sleepy. But here we are, ready to to rock and roll a bit. Come back, kid. Well, I'm, I'm here to wake the dead with you, Keith. That is fitting. Oh, that could have been a joke. Man, I'm dead. Are you going to wake the dead? Or waken the dead? Or whichever one you're going to talk about today. Man, talk is cheap. We need to be partners in crime on this. Let's go our distance. I'm literally going through track by track and managing to put it into a sentence. That's impressive. That's what I sort of wanted to do with Beastie Boys, but got too excited. <laughs> and then at the end, I can be like, this is our final goodbye. But it's not going to be our final goodbye, is it? Of course not. No if, no, if that's another reference, then you're... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for everyone for coming back. This is Alive Just Blethering. Uh, if you haven't checked us out before, thank you very much for stopping by. Do take a look on our socials, at AOJB Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We will reply, I promise. And... You know, if you've got something to say, if you agree, disagree, or if you share a memory that we do, share in the nostalgia, give us a shout. It'd be great to hear from you. Or if you'd like, drop us an email at aogbpodcast at gmail.com. Not to be confused with the at at the front there, because we're. how else do you say the email address? But hey, if, you've, if you want to get in a few more characters than what you can on Twitter, drop us a, drop us a little message there as to what you thought of the album. But today, Lav, it's all about more, some more hardcore punk. Not, well, not more hardcore. We've not really had hardcore before. But it's another punk album from yourself. Clear influence on you. Yeah, this, this was definitely where I was at early 2005. The closest we've probably discussed so far on the podcast was when we discussed Every Time I Die. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we've both seen comeback kid and every time i die in manchester Together. that was a crack cracking we cracking we night you openly compared every time i die and comeback kids because i think you said something along the lines of every time i die are a band who have never compromised they've always released what they wanted to release mm-hmm. and i think you said comeback kid were the same another band who didn't rush releases didn't put anything out if they felt they just had to meet label if they just had to meet label obligations you know your perspective is these guys are like legit absolutely that that legit is is the best word for it they have remained another word i'd put in there with every time i die is just consistent yeah yeah very much so they've they've never made a bad album every album is pretty short 25 minutes to 40 minutes max on 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 some of them, but they mm-hmm. just make really catchy to me anyway, really catchy songs 
Once I start listening to an album, I want to hear it to the end. I love their songwriting. I don't know what it is about it. It's 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 straight straight up hardcore punk. And my first band that I remember being in was basically a comeback kid clone. And we just made <laughs> we made we had a lot of fun. And the thing that really stood out to me the first time I heard Comeback Kid was the gang chants. And I can't think of another band prior to this. If I'm wrong, I, I'm I'm happy to be wrong on this, but I really can't think of another band before hearing Comeback Kid that just used the gang chant so effectively and so memorably. Ooh, that's a challenge. But the, I know you're not saying that they... they they invented the oh, gang no. chant. Oh no, this is when I first heard it. I'm being I want to be clear with that. Right. So this so the first time you think you heard gang or, chant vocals. Or recognized it as gang chant. Recognized gang chant vocals was Wake the Dead. Maybe? There maybe? might be some in the new metal, maybe. You know, there's there's nothing to say that you could throw a gang chant in somewhere of or or a group sing along. Not even not even new metal, but for some reason I'm feeling like Oh, surely Van Halen or someone was, you know, 80s glam was making the most out of some gang chant vocals. Maybe not as prolific, but absolutely it would have been used to effect before these guys. Definitely. This was the one that had stood you out. You just didn't hear it. The, yeah, this was the one where I was like, yeah, this this is cool. I like this. And you mix that in with the the fast-paced drums, the aggressive vocals, and very, and again, another sort of possibly a first, for me anyway, was the first time I heard really positive vocals. Mm-hmm. And if I put myself into what I was sort of listening to at, in the, the late 2004, early 2005, I've come off the, the back of a lot of like emo, screamo, where it's singing about, you know, dark feelings about being alone, about being an introvert, about being left left behind these sort of sounds. Mm-hmm. And then listening to the lyrics of Combat Kid and what would later be described as like posy or positive hardcore, this was a bit of an eye-opener for me that I did not know existed until I heard this album. I absolutely loved the advent of like posy core when I first sort of heard that terminology when everyone was like oh that's fucking emo man that's like really sad and down and depressing and then you get some like real posy bands coming through i don't even know at the moment who could have been a posy band but like that was definitely a reference i remember i think back to your your gang chant comment i don't know why but it immediately came to mind that for me it was probably we were just talking about them before recording their label buddies a day to remember like, yeah. I remember a day to remember prolifically, they still do, prolifically including gang chants in their songs. And I think that's, like you were saying with Comeback Kid, maybe a day to remember where the sort of, those guys for me were like, they're, they're the gang chant boys. Yeah, they used it to great effect in all, the, because all their songs. Everyone listening right now has one rhythm in their head. Da, 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 da. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. Uh yeah, so this was the first album that I heard by Comeback Kid. Uh the first time I heard them actually ever was 
Metal Injection, I think it was Metal Injection, when they were just a website. They weren't they weren't a, yeah. a printed thing or anything like that. They used to do videos, like video of the week. Mm-hmm. And their video of the week was Comeback Kids Wake the Dead. But it wasn't actually an official video. It was a fan-made video of okay. of the song. And that wasn't what in Metal Injection usually shared. They usually shared the official official band label video. Did they know it was a fan-made video? Yeah, they did. They 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 labeled it as such and I was quite surprised to see that the fan video is so well regarded that it's still up on YouTube today published by the label Victory Records. Wow. I wonder if these guys got paid for that. I mean, I don't know the names of the people who made it. Probably no. should. But it's something that always grabbed me was was that video. I thought it was very funny and just just a really fun video. It looked like a lot of fun to make. At the time it's a bunch of kids. They've got like cotton and uh string to present themselves with guts and they're just like loads of fake blood. They're all pretending to be zombies. They've woken the dead. They're hardcore dancing in the middle of the middle of fields and stuff. It's really funny. And it was before the, I don't know, there was a, there was a time in like, certainly in the the 2010s where videos got really samey, you know, all in a few August Burns Red were a great example of just in the middle of a field with the amps and guitars jumping around no yeah. no power there's clearly no fucking power but they've got their amps there anyway oh yeah and it's all you know in a field or in a you know it's the sort of the joke was like death metal bands doing it in the woods or some kind of abandoned warehouse off off colors usually sepia crab corn, all that crap we've definitely got one of those videos coming up very soon <laughs> <laughs> oh god who's that you'll find out wonderful i can't wait uh, yeah, so the seeing that video was was quite it was quite eye catching uh, for the time, and uh, yeah, it made me it made me interested in the band, and it made me immediately get the full album as soon as I could. And Did you I, do that via legitimate means or via yes student lav means? <laughs> Both, I'll be honest, because the one that I downloaded from whatever file sharing service I was using at the time was a dud i don't know how else to describe it the yeah it had been mucked around with whether it was one that was purposeful purposefully released by the label that was a sort of thing i would recognize sometimes if they were trying to reduce piracy they would purposely put shitty versions out online so yeah each song worked for about 30 seconds and then it would just start repeating itself but they were the length of of the right songs. So when you were picking things from yep. Napster, WinMX, yep, things like that. Legit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I was like, no, I need to hear this full fucking album. And I went and bought it. Uh, can't remember. I think I must've got it from HMV or somewhere, but I was in Edinburgh by then. So it could have been HMV or Virgin Megastore. Mm-hmm. I don't remember buying it from anywhere, particularly boutique. Fuck you, Everlunch Records. 
that guy. Well, I don't even know if I've, if I've hit a nerve there. I don't think I'm aware. Anyone who knows Avalanche Records in Edinburgh, in Edinburgh. they are a, the cornerstone of the independent music scene of Edinburgh. Are they the gatekeepers too? Gatekeepers, the light way of putting it. What the, the knights, <laughs> the, the, the knights of shining armor, protecting, <laughs> protecting the Bastille of indie, indie Scottish indie music. Oh, oh my word, that's that's amazing! Can't wait no. to come back to that. But yeah. no, I, just just as you were talking there and referring to the, the video, I, I brought it up, and I noticed there was a a clip section on on YouTube, and I was like. What does that do? And I hit clip and immediately just the video started playing full volume, blasted into my earphones and I absolutely shat myself. <laughs> Couldn't hear you for about three seconds because I was like, ah, what's happening? Fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, you've, 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 you've moved to Edinburgh. You've, you've, got the, uh, you've got the album via wholly legitimate means. Yes. What happened next? What happened next was this style of music became something I was really interested in sort of discovering. And mm-hmm. I'd already mentioned discovering like every time I die, but my, I can't remember which one I mentioned this on. One of the, one of the songs we, or albums we talked about was on Roadrunner. And I would like to go through the labels back catalog to see what else they may have had. One of what we're saying, one of wait, uh, one of Comeback Kid was on Roadrunner. No, Comeback Kid were on Victory Records, but we 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 talked about a Roadrunner album. I can't remember which one. And I think Hot Hot Damn was. I think Hot Damn and, and they were on Killed and Ferret. But was it not distributed through Roadrunner or something? I can't remember. But either got way, a phenomenon got a phenomenon. I'm pretty sure it was Roadrunner. I would go to record labels rosters. And have a rummage through that, finding the odd track Hmm. and seeing what was there. And I had a sampler for Victory Records. Can't remember if that came with a magazine or it came inside of another CD. It might have come inside Hawthorne, one of the Hawthorne Heights CDs I had. Ooh. There's there's a there's an age. But again There's a name drop. I can go through some of the bands that were on Victory Records and straight up Either I've seen them live or I've bought physically bought albums. So A Day to Remember, Hawthorne Heights, Taking Back Sunday, Thursday, Atreyu. Just running, just off the top of my head. These bands were all on Victory Records in 2004, 2005 and onwards, perhaps. Yep. And that was sort of a a go-to, just what's, what's on the Victory Records label and by this point it's 2005 we're on myspace and you could go on a myspace page and just listen to a select couple of tracks and it was like getting a a game demo you got a taste of it you got to know what they sounded like and if you liked it you went out and paid for it i would argue that myspace probably did a lot for helping people back into buying music because if you liked it and they had their own web stores there was a, a channel for you to go down. I will not support your comments there and say MySpace was basically a catalogue to go find out what you wanted to download. Yeah, I did that too. 
I don't think I ever bought anything. It was only, you know, it was only years later where the guilt really started to sink in that I I started to go for actual buying stuff and mostly a couple of iTunes, but mostly I bought off of Amazon. The lot of torrent kind of sharing was happening at that time. There was a really good forum for, for punk. It was just called Punk Torrents. There was right. also Metal Torrents. Great, and they were just forums. Online forums that would share stuff. Punk Torrents was more of a community because there were rules. You weren't... Anything you shared that was on uh, Fat Records got taken down. It was like... Fat, they would, fat Rec Records. Yeah, so Mike, Mike Fat Mike's... Yeah. Anything that was released on there got taken off. It was moderated, and it was like as if there was some kind of agreement. I don't know whether that was by force or by by choice. Like they didn't want to piss off the good guys. If if you, I don't know what they what they deemed the good guys. Mm-hmm. It was more. It was great for sharing new bands, and that's how they. I think they skirted around it because a lot of people who were weren't signed were signed were pushing their music on there as well. Sort of like an early band camp. Yeah, a really good example. You would put that out there for fans of name another three bands. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just download the torrent. You get a demo, you get four tracks, you listen to it a few times. If you like it, you go on the MySpace page, add them, follow them elsewhere if you found them on other services. If you wanted to... I'm trying to think if you... If, did they, they never had... There was never such a thing as... What was the name of that other social service? Social service? Social... Website. Bebo. Yeah. Bebo. Bebo never really got into music, did it? N- no, it was whiteboards. <laughs> Bebo was the first one I remember deleting. Like, going out of my way and deleting. No, I just I think I just let mine die. I do remember being staunchly against Facebook and, like, being a diehard beboer for whatever reason and like i've sort of spoken to people since and like people seem to have been a bit of a microcosm like it, it wasn't as global or as as obviously obviously it wasn't as global because the thing died eventually but you know i've met people since they're like what you know same age as me and they're like what, what was Bebo? like where, where was Bebo? Like, what i never had that like even my wife didn't know what Bebo was and I'm wow. like, but we're the same age and pretty much in the same country. And Do you think it was like a hyper-local Scotland thing? Hang on, I'm going to take that back. We're not in the same country. I was in Scotland. She was in England. And So that's what I mean. Do you think it was like a hyper-local Scotland thing? Like it was just a group of friends in Scotland that had caught no, on to it? I've, I've no idea. There were more users. I have met people in other areas that have used it. But it just seems more sporadic. Okay. So... Yeah, I was a, I was an absolute avid Bebo user, and then Facebook came along, and I remember a friend being like, "Got to get on Facebook," and I was like, "You got fuck off," and then I had to, I had to make a, a profile for my uni for my course, and then that was me. Bebo died. Yeah, I'm really worried. I'm I'm going to need to set up a LinkedIn soon, and I really don't want a LinkedIn profile. Oh God, again, yeah, I, I think I got LinkedIn because of uni, and oh despise that platform yep everyone that is on that platform that uses it legitimately 
some of the things I've seen. Go on, I would I would highly recommend everyone goes on the Twitter account. State of LinkedIn. Well, that's the thing. No one uses LinkedIn legitimately. There is no legitimate use. I would argue there's no legitimate use for social media anymore. But there's like no... Everyone on LinkedIn is is just trying to make themselves look better. Which is exactly what a CV is. When I say that out loud, I realise how ridiculous that sounds. But like, you can go on social... You can go on Facebook. Facebook back in the day, man. Facebook circa 2012... 2013 peak great times you're sharing groups you're sharing buzzfeed articles listicles you're getting invited to events you're finding gigs like it was man it was you could see why it got so big linkedin was just i have this job and now linkedin has became i've invested in this crypto and look how much money i make (laughs) so you can do that too if you invest in my pyramid crypto scheme yeah, fair enough. Or, or if you're a, or if you're a recruiter, oh hey man, I've got this Java job. Do you want it? No, fuck off. <laughs> like it's just, oh, it's a, it's an absolute cesspool of crime and villainy. So yeah, social media was was really good back in the day. It's a total bomb site now. Well, I mean, this is this is us being thirty somethings, isn't it? For us, it was it was like Facebook was like peak social media. Facebook circa 2012 to 15 was like peak social media. Kids these days are just, even 20-somethings these days are, no one's near Facebook. It's all jacking off on TikTok. And it makes me die a little more inside every day. Yeah, we're too old for TikTok, that's for sure. We're too old for social media, love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just Instagram is the only one that I probably keep alive these days. And that is getting begrudging as as we've discussed anyway let's talk about music i was going to say much much to your much to your disagreeing i've i even i have came off instagram so fuck Uh, you insta one rage linked your post all right i'll (laughs) how dare you say my tag i'm gonna beat that (laughs) do it'll be the funniest thing pretty sure it's on the profile anyway Let's let's move on. So after going through all the Victory Records sort of labels, mm, including the, a data remember, a data remember the, the Silverstein, Taking Back Sunday, etc. I've mm-hmm. definitely found other other hardcore from here. You ended up, I ended up getting involved in whether it be scenes uh, that that was really sort of my identity for a, a long time. Uh, you you get involved with with people of of similar tastes and similar sort of aspirations. And my first band was called Carve the Future. Great name. We, we were a, a comeback kid clone. Maybe we should just call the uh, podcast Carve the Future. <laughs> That's well, a reference. It was a sick of it all lyric that nice. I took from sick the cover of built to last by rise against <laughs> so it was it was sick of it all's song called built to last but i didn't hear it until rise against did a cover of it on suffer and the witness that's funny but yeah actually that is funny because every time i listened to wake the dead and it went on to the spotify radio it always started with tower of snakes by 18 visions 
so that's clearly connected via my listening preferences yeah but there was a song that came on a few times and i'm like oh that's that's rise against and it was only when i actually looked at my phone like the second third time i was like oh that's sick of it all yeah <laughs> very similar yeah so yeah there's there's a band so i was into sick of it all at the time rise against they were on heavy play there's a band called have heart these were all great hardcore bands down to nothing uh, another one and there's one all these bands are bands that i will still listen to today mm. and i think that's important to say with comeback kid similar to every time i die every new album absolutely thrilled to bits as a new album i'll put that on i'll play it to death really enjoy it and talk about it with fellows fellow peers who also enjoy it and we'll just sing the praises Usually I'll get to see them on tour within about six to 12 months of the album being released, get to see them do some of the songs live and then move on. And yeah. Comeback Kid are, from my reckoning, the band I have seen live more than any other band. That's cool. I mean, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that sort of cycle of new release tour see them cool they'll you know someone else will come along and then it's another new album tour you know release tour go see them etc i think one of the first bands that sort of comes to mind that i've done that with was actually mastodon okay and i followed mastodon almost religiously for another like five or six albums you know and it's 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 mastodon or other than funeral for a friend Master or maybe one of the bands I've seen the most as well. Interesting you should say Funeral for a Friend as even though I have enjoyed every Comeback Kid album I can't say anything bad about any of them. Much like Funeral for a Friend I hold them to a standard from the first time I heard them. Right. So, so has it sort of been diminishing returns throughout the releases or have they all been I don't think you any know. I don't think any album tops Wake the Dead. Right. But that's like saying I'll give Wake the Dead a ten out of ten and every other album's a nine and a half out of ten. Yeah, fair. They are they're all great, but this one's my favourite. So is Wake the Dead casually dressed or is it ours? It's casually dressed for me. It's great. It's great. It's what I want to hear. But it's not there's they've never topped it. That was their they, they smashed it out of the park and it's that's their their gold standard and i don't i genuinely don't know what they could do differently to top it fair fair i mean i knew you were a massive wake the dead uh, a massive comeback kid fan and you sort of made i think before you started the pod you sort of made me listen to wake the dead and a few albums you basically said listen to comeback kid because i'm pretty sure i'd sort of voiced my I'd said before that I didn't really know Comeback Kid and I kind of wanted to know him. Maybe it was on the build-up to, to Every Time I Die. And you were like, yeah, definitely go check them out. So that was my sort of first foray into Comeback Kid. And I think I sort of liked it at the time. But as I've sort of said before, I've, with the exception of Every Time I Die, I've never really been into like punk or hardcore punk like we were with NoFX not really find this sort of stuff appealing 
I do like Wake of the Dead, but there's not a lot here that actually sort of really, really brings me into it. Not, nothing really gets me fired up. I'm not like, oh, fuck yeah, that's, that's like an amazing riff. Mm-hmm. The one song that does sort of stand out for me is the title track, Wake the Dead. It's the one that I actually recognise. Every time I went for a listen through, I was like, oh yeah, that's actually a recognisable song. Everything else was just not, didn't really grab me. It was just mostly sort of hardcore, lost in the ether. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in their later albums that maybe you'd find a bit more appealing, especially, you know, talking about Every Time I Die and those sort of bands, as I think they do, especially, I think, especially in Symptoms and Cures and the the next album, uh, Die Knowing, there's definitely a, a sort of shift to more, I don't know how to describe it, more melodic yeah mm-hmm. maybe the more melodic and i i think you i do think there's 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 an album out there for you that i i want you to listen to them all and find it yeah sure the uh it, it's funny we're talking about funeral for friend we're talking about every time i die there was a couple of instances where i'm saying i'm not a hardcore fan generally not a hardcore fan but via funeral for a friend because i saw them on tour I had a little stint listening to Counterparts. Oh, yeah. And I just sort of found myself listening to Comeback Kid, but wanting to listen to Counterparts. I'm not comparing the two. I'm not I'm not saying Counterparts are better. I suppose that's just where my sort of... That, that's where my connection lies with it. If I was going to say any other hardcore band that I've maybe given some time to, it would be Counterparts. Not entirely. Like, I have, I have dropped off them. I've, I listened to one or two albums. But like from the funeral for a friend gig in King Tut's, I saw counterparts and I was like, shit, man, these guys are really good. Maybe a bit too, a bit too emotional, a bit too much on the heartstrings, a bit too heavy in some of their content, uh, lyrically. But musically, I thought very similar. So it's funny you should mention counterparts, as I didn't really get into counterparts as a band. Don't know what it was. I don't know whether I just heard it all before. Did nothing really massively for me. Probably much like yourself with Combat Kid. They just there was they never really grabbed me. I'd heard like heard it before. But there's an interesting individual in counterparts, and it's their vocalist Brendan Murphy. Mm-hmm. He is prolific on Twitter. Oh, please, please tell me in a good way for being fucking hilarious. Great. Oh. Man, my, my gut sank for a second. I was like, oh, don't tell me this guy's an asshole. And the band basically, well, he anyway, went on to form the heavy hardcore band End. Okay. Did, have I ever list, made you listen to End before? Don't think so. Oh, my God. Like, So it, it's interesting that my sort of taste started with this melodic hardcore that we've been talking about and then it got heavier and heavier i had my little foray into metal as we discussed in trivium and then it got i don't know how to describe the music it got really crusty around the 2012 mark and that was where we start listening to the likes of cursed uh old man gloom 
I don't know, just some really, like, really deep, dark... A lot of Converge. I listened to a lot of Converge then. But then End came along. And holy fuck, totally ripped my face off. But there was a, that was like twenty by that was like twenty seventeen. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm thinking like bands like Nails. There's another one listening to any any Todd Jones metal band. Yeah. These suddenly my taste had gone and by then I was in a much heavier hardcore band. And yeah, my and I can trace it pretty much I can trace it back to Wake the Dead being the the sort of genesis of my my hardcore punk sort of experience. When you said crusty, I was just trying to find the satirical Wikipedia. Oh, sorry, the satirical Instagram page that you know makes the satirical articles and is all about crust punks and stuff like that. That's the first time I'd heard that reference of crust punk. Well, hard times. The hard times. That's it. I loved hard times because it's the onion, but for hardcore and metal and there was an article that got shared by people not realizing it was like satire yeah and i believe the article title was weezer start go fund me to not make another weezer album (laughs) i remember that one and i think weezer because i think even weezer were like yeah we'll do it I think they they bought in fully. Yeah, the uh, yeah you're you're totally right. The hard times, uh, listeners. If if you're if you want a satirical sort of punk, hardcore, piss take. It's it's very light hearted piss take. Uh, self yeah self deprecating. Follow yeah, ch- check it out. It's it's hilarious. Some, I think most of the most of the articles, most of the jokes are user submitted. Are 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 are. They're not all from like the the hard times themselves. Like they they take in a lot of user. Keith Buckley writes articles for the hard times. Keith Buckley does write a few articles. He's been on a couple of the podcasts as well. I think they've got a couple of podcasts, and I know Keith's done an episode or two. So check out the hard times. But yeah, I was just looking at the counterparts actually, and Christ, they've had a big band turnover. The only original member is is Brendan Murphy. You we look at them. you look at the band. Like the names that are in there, is there anyone that's moved on to anything I can recognize? No, I'm probably thinking more of End because End was involved with like Will Putney and who's the guy who records uh, a lot of the the Not Loose stuff. So really, you know, a really big name in the in the hardcore they're, scene. Their guitarist. You've pulled me up before for not being a Knockloose fan, but listening to his produced material. Who's guitarist? Are we talking about End or are we talking about Counterparts? Knockloose. I think the... Uh, Isaac. Yeah, he's he's the... uh, He's now doing... What was it? The See You Space Cowboy album? Yeah. He could well be the next Adam D. I'll I'll be honest. Like, so influential in the scene. You've also, I mean, coming back to Comeback Kid, also had a few members sort of, I, I've had co- quite a, a rotation of members. So there's, they're yeah. five piece, but they've had four, five, eight members rotate through the band. So the Wake the Dead is the last album they did with Scott as their lead vocalist. Scott was replaced by the rhythm guitarist Andrew. 
mm-hmm. and the next album broadcasting was the first to just have them as a four piece i think they got back to being a five piece with the introduction of uh i believe it was casey for symptoms and cures i think he only stayed on for that in a couple of tours and they were back to a four piece for oh no um for no they were still a five piece but they changed over again Stu ross was on guitars for uh die knowing Stu ross is still in the band he's been there from 2012 casey was there from 2006 to 2012 yeah so did a few shifts the the name that stands out for me most on outsider which doesn't have a wikipedia page but i remember it it's got songs that were produced by devon townsend wow and just not a name I would ever put in the same sentence as Comeback Kid. You know, Devin Townsend produced a Comeback Kid album. Not not a name I would put in with a hardcore band at all. Like, n- never mind Comeback Kid. Like, I would not put him... Unless you're going for extremely expansive prog metal, etc. Yeah, it's a really strange addition to the, the mix. But again, it was a really... It was a really refreshing album, and that was when we saw them support. And every time I die, they just had the outside outsider had just been released. So there's a few tracks from that, and then their latest album, that that album, Outsider, and their latest album, Heavy Steps, have both been released on a European label more than a, an American label, Nuclear Blast. So that was them off Victory Records, and into a more I don't know what you call them. Definitely a more heavy metal label. I mean, Nuclear Blast, they're, they're a label I'd associate with the likes of like Fear Factory and those type of bands. Was that one? Nuclear, no, Nuclear Blast to me are, are far more European oriented metal. Uh, far more European oriented label. Who's on Nuclear Blast these days? I think. I think that's who I would associate Nuclear Blast with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Who else was on Nuclear Blast? In Flames. Precisely. Decapitated, Dimu Borgia, Danzig, Cradle of Filth, Nightwish. Symphony X. Yeah. So, Nuclear Blast. Sabaton. Sabaton. Rob Zombie. And then, there we go at the very end. Comeback Kid. There's just not a band I would put in the same sentence as these, especially not in 2005 and not in 2022 either. Just don't see them in the same sort of world or realm. But clearly the label sees something in the band, sees something as fan base. And I think the band being... They're not American, they're Canadian. And I think they've had a really... a really strong link with Europe. Mm-hmm. When they released their live album in 2007 2008 through through the noise that was a recording from Leipzig and I've always thought they've had like a relationship with these because they're a German label they're they're active in Dusseldorf so I think they've they've wanted to make Europe their home rather than Uh, North America yeah I I think there's more to it I, I genuinely think that the European hardcore labels have got a much more probably family orientation. After the release of Heavy Hands, they did a, an interview with Discovered magazine, which I've uh, I obtained a copy of, and it's them saying that they don't 
They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They know their place as a band. They know that your likes of your turnstiles, Code Orange, they are probably more pushing the envelope of of hardcore punk as it stands today. And Comeback Kid are happy being there in support. And a great example was was seeing it back you know earlier in was it early March was seeing Knocked Loose headlining a gig that was supported by Terror. Now Terror are a massive hardcore band. Going back to you know the early two thousand tens, they were the ones that were headlining these shows. And now to see Knocked Loose, who are effectively kids. Maybe not now, but certainly seeing them in the in the spotlight and let, and seeing Terra go, it's now your time. You know we've we've warmed them up for you now. Now it's your turn. Was was really something. It re- really spoke to me. Like there's something ha- something interesting happening here. So the first time I saw Terra was 2011 or 12, and they played Ivory Blacks. Okay, Glasgow. Glasgow. The next time I saw Terra was supporting Knocked Loose at a pretty much, I'm pretty sure it was sold out show at the QMU. And if anyone knows their Glasgow venues, that's a big difference. There's a big difference between Ivory Blacks and the QMU. Yeah, I saw Protest the Hero in Ivory Blacks and with the exception of a barrier, it was basically a floor show. Yep. It really is. There's, the barrier is... There isn't a stage. The barrier just stops people walking onto the stage. Or the Didn't stage stop people area. crowd surfing onto the stage. No, though. it does not. No, it does not. No. So, yeah, seeing Comeback Kid, definitely one of those bands that I listen to on a day-to-day basis and would say their their, their discography is flawless. I would even... I would recommend that be one of those bands that you start from the beginning, go to the album before Wake the Dead, listen to Turn It Around... It's just epic. I love the final song. Lorelei is still just one of the most beautiful songs towards the end. It's just a great, great ending sort of outro track. Lorelei. That's this should be the last track on Turn It Around. Oh, Turn It Around. Sorry, I'm looking at Wake the Dead. Wake the Dead as well. Also having final goodbye at the end. A really nice fitting track to to end uh, el- end the album on. Yeah, looking at the album cover, I am in absolute shock that the cover artist is not Mike Mignola. What's he famous for? Hellboy. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Like the comic book artist yep, yep. Mike Mignola, who wrote and did the art for Hellboy. Like so, so similar. The the artist himself was like, oh Christ, I'm going to butcher this. Jeremy. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jeremy. That is a <laughs> very difficult Eastern European name for me to try and pronunciate. But yeah, that album is just that album cover just absolutely screams Hellboy, and it was not Hellboy. No, it was not Mike, not Mike Mignola. It was not. <laughs> no, I again, I had this album on CD. And the CD just lived in my car stereo. That's cool. It was did, 20... you also play, did you also play Burnout Revenge? 
I did play Burnout Revenge. I was a big Burnout fan. I had Burnout Revenge and Burnout Legends. And seeing Wake the Dead on there was just this brilliant, like, sort of life-affirming decision. It's like, you know you like this music. You know you like this game. This is made for you. Yeah, yeah. You will you will spend your money on this. You will give these people your money. This is something you're going to buy, yeah. Totally. So seeing it on my favourite game, on my, my favourite music, on my favourite game, on my favourite console, was just brilliant. It was a match made in heaven. And I think there's lots of... Again, we, we've talked about this at, at length, especially during the, the 18 Visions episode, about how good the Burnout soundtracks were. I'd love yeah. to meet the person... I say a person, it could have been a team. But the people that were in charge of building those soundtracks... They must have had such a great time. They they were they were in my head. Uh, like S, it's same with the SSX guys, SSX three yep. and and Tricky. They just had their finger on the pulse. Tony Hawk's as well. Their finger was so on the pulse. They knew what they wanted their their games to sound like, and whether they were given carte blanche or they just had the the right way of going. This is what you need. to to make the game sound like they just did it i was gonna correct myself there we might have thought they had the time of their lives we would have had the time of our lives picking this music but crikey could have been someone that absolutely hated the you know this sort of stuff and just was told to find these bands and find what was fuck it for all we know it wasn't some 50 year old radiohead fan you know fuck it yeah exactly (laughs) because there, there wasn't with the exception of like maybe one or two songs they were never particularly big songs. Like take Eighteen Visions for example. Was it no? It wasn't Eighteen Visions we were talking about. It was Rise Against we were talking about. It was uh, Rise Against yeah. were on was Need on Most sp- Wanted. Need, Need for, for Speed, Speed Underground Two, and that was Give It All. And again, that's yeah. like Rise Against second album. It wasn't like it was going to be. That these were these songs were being picked out before these albums were released. Exactly. So on that Most Wanted, Need for Speed Most Wanted. You had, we talked about it before, you had that Snoop Dogg Doors collaboration. Mm-hmm. Right on the store. And I would say that's where the budget went. And then mm. you picked up smaller songs along the way. Like, <laughs> I remember, like, the, was it Snake Snakebite or something who did the Black Betty cover? I don't remember. There was, someone did a Black Betty cover on a Need for Speed song, on a Need for Speed album. And. Right, Black Bay, ZZ Top, pretty safe bet. Was it ZZ Top? It was Spider Bait. They did the cover. Thank you. Who did they cover it from? Ram Jam. It was on so many, so many albums. This is the thing. It's been, it will have been caught, it will have been, oh my God, it will have been covered so many times. I mean, subsequent recordings, including hits by Tom Jones. Don't remember Tom Jones, didn't it? So it was used on. Need for Speed Underground 2. This is just this is just Black Betty. Yep. So the Spider Bait version was used on Need for Speed Underground 2, Sing Star Amped, and Back for Blood in 2021. The Ram Jam version was used on The Battle of the Bands, Guitar mm. Hero World Tour, Grand Theft Auto 5, Rayman Legends, and Rock Band 4. Right. So how many times has that song been put into the and it was eight guess. Now, with all due respect to Spider Bait, eight. Who the fuck are Spider Bait? Correct. Great, great answer. Great question. 
you know, and I, I've just read for the first time they're actually Australian. So that's that's just I, that's an example of the music being used on these albums. So it's it's funny that like this stuff was picked up, but for us it's like absolute gold. But ultimately, I, yeah, probably not that expensive. I I do see that like Victory Records as a, as a as another sort of call to them. They were distributed through Universal. And I right. and I do think that EA would lean on Universal Records to sort of get these sort of deals up. And I've noticed it recently. It could just be from watching lots of kids' movies. Movies by Universal. So you hold Minions, Despicable Me, Sing, Illumination. Our friends at DreamWorks. Illumination, as they are now. Okay. It's not DreamWorks. DreamWorks is... What do they do these days? I can't remember. I can't think of a good DreamWorks one. All the DreamWorks ones suck. The... Illumination have got all the good stuff these days. They they're the that aren't Pixar. Pixar is still the gold standard, still the diamond. But then, mm-hmm. so Illumination is your Despicable Me and and Stor- and no, that's Warner Brother. But again, all the music is in the Universal ones. So you look at the movie Sing and Sing Two, which is basically a talent contest of of music, and it's just the the licensing that must have been involved in those is incredible. But because it's a universal film, I think they just got given, go for it. Go see what you can take, take what you want. You can have it. It's on universal. Well, yeah, there's loads of crossover like that, isn't there? Where, I mean, just whoever's on Sony gets put into Sony films. Yep. You know, whoever's on Warner brothers gets put in at Warner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now that, that'd have been pretty easy, but I suppose we've, ventured very far from from comeback kid but those albums were or th- those soundtracks for those racing games some pre- primo stuff back in the day peak peak game soundtrack definitely don't think kids with these days would get it prove me wrong <laughs> challenge challenge accepted kids at aogb podcast you know how to reach us prove them wrong at aogb podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email don't make it public yep cool rant rant away as to why uh, gaming soundtracks aren't as good these days hmm saying that out loud makes me think twice but anyway I'll take on the challenge well with the exception of Doom we talked about that last week yeah I think game soundtracks have become more of their own thing so the last few games I remember playing, certainly on the PlayStation, Horizon Forbidden West and Ghost of Tsushima have both got beautiful soundtracks, but the original actual... scores, original scores. Thank you, thank you very much. So there's a there's there's a difference here. We're talking about soundtracks, not originals. We're talking about music, music recorded for other purposes that has then been used in the game. Game great compilations. Effect. Game the, compilations. And the last yeah. time I remember smiling from ear to ear when I heard a song come on, other than the Comeback Kid and stuff, there was, and they're both in Grand Theft Auto games. First time in Vice City, first time you get in a car, mm-hmm. first song that plays, Michael Jackson, Billie Jean. Is it? Wow. In Grand Theft Auto 5, when you're doing one of the heists, 
you escape in jet planes. Name the song that plays the minute you get inside those jet planes. I've never played Grand Theft Auto 5. You don't need to. You'll know it. Jets. Fighter jets. Is it Kenny Loggins? It's Kenny fucking Loggins. Yeah. Danger you're, Zone. Danger Zone. All yeah. Well done. So you've escaped in the jets, and then the next thing that comes on is... I was like, oh my God, this has just been a directorial masterpiece. They've just lined it all up beautifully. The Grand Theft Auto games have got good soundtracks, but the Burnout games and Need for Speed games, magnifique. Yeah, because we're talking about soundtracks, and obviously we're saying Doom, you've referred to the Horizon, whatever that one was, but then immediately I'm thinking, you know, stuff like... Halo, you know, the, the Halo soundtracks are, are utterly fantastic. Well respected, yes. What else have we got that I've played? I mean, I'm a I'm a big sort of... Oh, Skyrim? Mm, yeah. Skyrim soundtrack is amazing. Fallout is amazing. You know, there's obviously... But these are orchestral scores. These are original soundtracks yeah. to the games. We're obviously... I've, we've done this to death, but we're obviously talking about compilation soundtracks where you get to drive around streets in fast cars yeah it was always fun it was always fun so yeah doing that to the sound of comeback kids wake the dead after absolutely falling in love with the band and then getting to play a game and that song coming on and i think it's important to point out this was at a time before you couldn't put on that music while playing in the background unless you just had it on your stereo Whereas nowadays, on a PlayStation 4 and 5, you can just put Spotify on over whatever you're doing. You used to... I never had it, but I remember being at a friend's house. He had the original Xbox. You could, like, burn CDs to your Xbox, and then you could play them. So you can we do were it on playing, the PS3 as well, yeah. Yeah, we were playing original Halo, and he had, like, music on in the background. Yeah, something that I don't think definitely i can't remember being able to do on the ps2 i do remember someone saying on the ps1 there was some games you could load and then you could swap a cd in and it would play this the the music from your cd never tried it so i couldn't really say no no but anyway uh yeah this this was my introduction to hardcore punk and This led me down a very merry path that I continue to tread today. Great. (laughs) I I don't feel like I've said a lot this episode because you've been so enthusiastic, but it's... I I would would just sit repeating myself because I've not hated Wake the Dead. I never said Waken the Dead. (laughs) I've not hated Wake the Dead. I do quite respect Comeback Kid. But it's just not really my cup of tea. There's, you know, I said it earlier, there's there's not much here for me to sort of get my teeth into. Maybe a little bit derivative at times. You said to me... That's hardcore, mate. I know, I know <laughs> it's hardcore. You said to me a week or two ago about something and you were like, it's just the... Oh, no, I think you were, I think you were criticising Trivium just being like the same thing. Like every song's the exact same. And we had just... It was on the day we released NoFX. Oh, yeah, no. 
and you were like you were ripping into Trivium for every song being the exact same and I'm like dude we we just did no effects and this is kind of on that sort of scale for me that like, here's, here's the difference right I'll take this album 25 minutes long okay Ascendancy 55 minutes long how, how much can you take how much how much of the derivativeness can you take well I mean no one should be surprised here I would listen to Ascendancy over this I know you would bless your heart but that it just just comes down to preference doesn't it like your your preference leans more towards hardcore punk and i'm more towards whatever the fuck trivium is or was straight up metal yeah these days these days but uh yeah it's interesting we, we talk about straight up metal because uh our next segment today of today's episode is the what are we listening to what are we listening to? Now, there was Lav's little jingle there. There might be a sting here. There might be a little intro music here. We'll need to... We don't know yet. We're recording ahead of time, so a friend of the pod might be helping us in that department, and if it's here, it'll be here. What are you listening to? And we'll introduce it next Correctly. week. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this little little section that we're going to start trying is what have we been listening to this week other than the other, episode yeah, other than what's what's led to the episode's creation we've really got one idea for this podcast and we are milking it <laughs> listen to music <laughs> yeah, let's keep doing it totally so what um what have you been listening to well this week i went to see a band that i've not listened to since about 2006 called in flames great band well no i'll stand by that great band i I will i will stand by that now i have i've shit talked on this band a couple of times in in public conversations because i i think they've they've they fall victim to perhaps releasing albums that aren't quite ready okay um maybe as we discussed earlier in this episode, releasing albums for the sake of releasing albums, whether that be a, a label obligation or, or, or other reasons. And I went to see them only because they were in Edinburgh and it was convenient. Well, that's, I was going to ask if you've, if you've been sort of shit talking this band for a few years, what made you go see them? Now, as someone who has lived in both Edinburgh and Glasgow, and if you are from the central belt of Scotland, you know, almost every touring band goes to Glasgow. It's very rare for someone to actually play Edinburgh. So I can appreciate you maybe just picked up tickets because you're like, fuck it, gig in Edinburgh. I can get the bus there. Yeah, you can get the bus there, there and back in 20 minutes. No fucking around. No trains, no planes, no automobiles. Just go in and have a few drinks. Easy. And that was, I was like, ah, it's a night out, isn't it? So Mm -hmm. it was then later, this was, these were tickets that were picked up in for the gig in April 2020. So this has been knocked on the head a few times. Wow. And I then later discovered that one of the support acts is a band that we've shared uh, amongst ourselves previously, Vexed. Right. And the opening band, uh, who I did not hear about until I saw them, and their name is So Derivative. So, so Derivative. Sounds like we'll love it on this can't, podcast. That I can't even remember it. Well. Uh, defects. 
Nice. They sounded great, and they were really, really up for it. This their first UK tour. They were very. They were just. It's just that they were just excited to be there, and something. Interestingly, where are they from? All over. Like I think some of them are from Birmingham, some are from London. Right. Okay. So a, a UK band. I was kind of wondering yeah. if they were maybe a Swedish band or whatever. No, no, all UK bands, other than In Flames themselves, and they, 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 they were a lot of fun. And I was actually impressed. This might be something that may have changed post pandemic. Mm-hmm. That was still in the fucking pandemic, but post the 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 lockdown blues whatever is that every time i've been to a gig since the opening act have a great turnout that's cool that's really good to hear the this gig you know it was six thirty doors the first band was on at seven mm-hmm. liquid rooms was packed nice liquid rooms admittedly doesn't take much to feel packed it's quite a small compact venue but still you, know, you couldn't get served at the bar by quarter past seven without having to wait 15 minutes. It was a really, it was a real buzz about the place and people stayed for all the bands. I didn't see people just turn up to see In Flames or ju- even just for one of the support acts. They were there for the, the whole hog. And it was a great night and it was great. Uh, I spoke to total strangers and it was just nice, just nice being there. Really good crowd. And then In Flames came on and showed the first two bands how it's fucking done. Yeah, cool, man. I'm glad to hear that. Like, I do... I think we're going to probably talk about In Flames soon, but... Very likely. I haven't... I didn't, for, for for the amount of time the band has been around, I haven't followed them religiously. They're a band I'd quite like to see, but for whatever reason, I've not made the effort to do so. But it's good to hear that they came out, they smashed it, and that you enjoyed it. Total showman total showman they they had everyone singing every word mm-hmm. they were playing to the audience the, my favorite bit was the, the uh, vocalist anders saw someone filming on their iphone and he took it out of their hand and started like walking around the stage filming other band members while they were playing and then handed the phone back what a guy you know and you see like i don't know if anyone's ever seen any footage of i believe it's is it uh, Glenn Danzig, or I can't remember his name. Certain, certain punk vocalists who are like, "What the fuck are you filming for? What the fuck are you taking pictures for?" Yeah. Like getting really pissy about people like filming their sets on their phones. But In Flames totally embraced it. It's twenty twenty two. You know, people film things and then they share it online and they share it on TikTok or Instagram, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just generates buzz. And that was a, it was a really cool video. And, was, and then I got to see the video the next day because we found the tag and saw this this actually happening and was like, oh, it was cool to watch that happen. A really good band. Anyone who's ever anybody, ever been on the fence about In Flames, go for it. They have they are absolute showmen. You will not be disappointed. Nice one, man. Glad to hear it. What about you? Y- yeah, I've p- purely been down to you, actually. You were influenced again. Uh, you shared the latest single from Conjure. Conjurer, yeah. Conjurer. Conjurer, thank you. Conjurer, It Dwells. So, amazing single. Holy crap, that song just slaps. And it made me listen to the EP they did with, 
I don't know how you pronounce this. Pen? Pigeon? Pen? Pen? I, I always P- want pen because it's got like a, it's a soft, yeah. soft J. <laughs> P-I-G-N in Conjurer. Kirsty's Metal Hands. And then from Kirsty's Metal Hands, which is phenomenal. If you've not heard the 2019 album Kirsty's Metal Hands by P-I-G-N, Pian and Conjurer, listen to it. Stop right now. Never listen to this podcast again and just go listen to that because you'll be better off for it. But then from Kirsty's Metal Hands, the radio came on again and it was a single off of their 2018 album Meyer. And so I, that was me. I listened to Meyer for the entire weekend because it's incredible. You've been down oh, a rabbit hole of Conjurer. Oh my god, man! Like the like as much, and that's kind of you, you know what I was saying before about where my headspace is at and what I would rather listen to and stuff like that. Like I was ha- on, I was listening to Comeback Kid, and then I was stopping it, and then I was just going to listen to Conjurer, <laughs> like. The contrast was ridiculous. So, just in, incredible stuff. Like as, as much as Christie's Metal Hands has an absolute wonderful opener, absolutely everything. Thankless, choke, wretch. It's only a seven-track album. It's forty-three minutes and fifty-five seconds long. But if you're into your sort of doom, slow sludge. Yeah, Doom, Sludge, I wanted to say post-hardcore, but it's not really post-hardcore, it's like sort of, let's just go with Doom, Sludge. Then check out Conjurer and Meyer because ooh la la. Also released on Nuclear Blast. Fucking rightly so. There we go, good, great link back to uh, today's band. Well done, Keith, I'm quite impressed with that. That was super convenient. Yeah, so next week... It's uh, it's yourself that's bringing one to us, and I have reason to believe it's some kind of some kind of a uh, maybe something to celebrate, cause to celebrate for the uh, for the old pod. Well, we're reaching our one year anniversary. Yes, we are. I'm really quite impressed. We've made it this far. Me too. So, our first episode was. Did I say the 29th? 29th of April. Of April? Yes. Correct. 10 that points. Was a Thursday. We've changed our release dates a lot. But I think we went from a Thursday to a Friday to a Monday. Yeah, we did. Yeah. For so, no apparent reason other than just because we could. Yep. Yeah, 29th of April will be our one year anniversary. So it just happens we've kind of came full circle. And I'm finally going to talk about the reason I wanted to start this podcast in the first place because I didn't think enough people appreciated this album. <laughs> I'm going to talk about "Of Love and Lunacy" by Still Remains because this is maybe my wake in the dead. Wake the dead. I know you compared to Fear for a Friend. I'm not going to make that sort of comparison. That yeah, Still Remains, "Of Love and Lunacy." is a very special album for me. So I'm just going to talk about it because the whole reason why I started this podcast in the first place, not enough people talk about Still Remains and Of Love and Lunacy. I think full disclosure, this mm-hmm. was one of our test episodes that we did, wasn't it? We've already recorded it. Yeah, we did We did a few test episodes. 
maybe maybe more than two of us did the test episode. Yeah, there was more than two of us, you're right. But we uh, we, we originally recorded this a, a while ago, and it never saw the light of day. It never will see the light of day, but we're uh, it's been long enough, and we're going to come back. And, oh my god. So, just, just I've moved on to Pien. Pien? Pien. P-I-G-N. <laughs> Keep saying it differently every time, please. I know, thanks. And fans also like Latitudes, fuck yeah, but also Year of No Light. Mm, another amazing album. Banned by those guys, Year of No Light. Uh, if you look at the uh, the related artists, or the, the people also like On Conjurer, there are some of my favourite sludgy, crusty bands that I was talking about there briefly. Uh, we've got Kowloon Walled City, Old Man Gloom I mentioned there briefly, Bosk, mm-hmm. Lun, Lun, L-L-N-N, Lun, how else to say that really, Cult Leader, and Edinburgh's own Dune. Oh, Dune on Wasted State Records. Yeah, D-V-N-E. Yep, so we had Tony from Wasted State Records on to talk about Rated R. Oh, and we didn't even talk about Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, that was quite the shock, wasn't it? That That was big news this week. Very much out of the blue. I'd just been sharing the uh, is it are they called Black Widow? The not even sure. The uh, the I need to find the name of it. Dream Widow, Dream Widow. Sorry, the the band that Foo Fighters members had just come together and made a death metal album called Dream Widow, and it's very good and very entertaining. Alright, I've heard about Dave Grohl's death metal album, yeah, but I didn't realise it was all the Foo Fighter guys. I'm pretty sure it is, and they've made a horror movie as well, Studio 666. Yep. That sort of matches it. It is, but apparently it's really fun to watch. It's it's very sort of B-movie-esque, self... You know, it's not taking itself too seriously and stuff. Some schlock horror. Apparently it's one of the goriest films our guest on uh, last week's episode, Ascendancy, mentioned. So it's one of the goriest films he's he's watched, and he's a big fan of horror. Interesting. Thanks, Robbie. Um, no, really, look, it is really sad, but like I sort of get uncomfortable when people are sort of like, oh, yeah, untimely, or, you know, a, a shock, surprise, and stuff like that. Like, at the end of the day, we don't know these people, and we don't know what's going on in their lives and stuff like that. So it's it's a very sad loss because... Foo Fighters have contributed to, to music for, for decades and, and who hasn't heard Taylor Hawkins play drums mm. on a Foo Fighters song before? But I always get uncomfortable when people are like, oh yeah, that's 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 untimely. Like, well, well, kingdom. He was a man who liked to live life to its fullest. And he's he's admitted himself, he's like, I you know, he's he was quite open about his drug use. He almost overdosed or did overdose, sorry, in two thousand and one. Don't know what where is what his headspace was earlier, you know, in the towards the the end of March, where as as you know, he just took it too far. Who knows? The information the information I've seen is suspected heart attack. I don't think. I mean, I think in two thousand one he was in a bad place. I think it was more likely heroin than than anything else. But from what I've seen, early reports suggesting potential just heart attack. Just you know, maybe influenced by substances. But I don't think to ex- excess. The body can only take so much, ultimately. And yeah, yeah. If if you've had a life of excess, you are pushing your body to its limits, and 
you know, thank you for your contribution, Taylor. Your contribution to music and and work with the Foo Fighters will never be forgotten. Shock is is the one. I was just shocked purely because it was just the last person, the last bit of news I expected to read on Saturday morning. You know, especially as we'd just been talking about it, and I know a group about Foo Fighters' new death metal album. So, yeah, no, very sad. So, uh, rest in power, Taylor Hawkins. Rest in power, indeed. Anyway. Next week... Take us on. Well, actually, sorry. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please do check us out at AOGB Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or send us an email, aogb.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, next week on Alive or Just Blethering, we're going to explore the episode that was the, the, the seed for it all alive or just blethering Keith is going to talk about still remains of love and lunacy can't oh, wait cannot wait to listen to the album for the next week not what I want to listen to it I want to listen to the Conjurer also that good night good night